welcome everybody to VegCast 105. VegCast. It's our Valensteinberg show. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, we have a couple of items related to Valentine's Day, which, as you know, is coming up. And we also have a feature interview today with comedy legend David Steinberg, who's going to talk about his new show on Showtime Inside Comedy, how that came together as well as giving us some insights into his veganism and being a vegan in Hollywood, how he gets around doing that. We're also going to have a science fact coming up about what exactly it is that makes men attractive to women. Uh, the answer may surprise you, or it may not, if you've listened to VegCasts 1 through 104. And if you have listened to those previous VegCasts, you may be familiar with our musical guest, Quinn. The Quinn Band is back again. It's almost becoming a tradition every new year to hear another track from Quinn. We've got a great live track from Quinn that is also somewhat Valentine's Day related, and we have a new feature on this VegCast guest op-ed. I've been trying to get people to submit their own material to VegCast that's now being instituted with VegCast 105, so I invite you all to sit back and relax and crank up your MP3 player as always as we deliver to you this 105th and kick off VegCast 105. Let me bring you a word from our sponsor, Tofurky, creating delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO organic soybeans since 1980. And we are very excited to talk with David Steinberg today, uh, who, as I said at the outside, he's a comedy legend. He's also uh, done a lot of work behind the scenes that uh, not everybody is going to be aware of, so I hope uh, you may learn something about uh, David Steinberg's history in Hollywood as well as his present-day exploits as a vegan there. And uh, we recorded this interview last week on what turned out to be a uh, dodgy phone connection. There are some points where you will hear the audio just uh, dropouts there. I apologize for that, but uh, there's plenty of good content. And as we'll hear at the outset, sometimes having too much good content can radically change the plan of what you're doing. Let's go now to that interview with David Steinberg. Okay, right now on VegCast, we are proud to be joined by phone by David Steinberg, the comedy legend who does the uh, the new show on Showtime called Inside Comedy. David, welcome to VegCast. Thank you, Vance. How are you doing? I'm pretty well, thanks. Um, I, I stumbled a little trying to describe you because you are kind of a renaissance man. You're, uh, you're hard to pin down. Your people know you. Uh, kind of as a comedian, but you're also uh, a famous uh, director of uh, television and movies. And now uh, let's talk, first of all, about what has uh, got a lot of attention right now. You have a new show on Showtime called Inside Comedy where you talk with comedians about their craft, and you also uh, kind of intersperse that with some examples of, of what they do. And if you could just uh, give us an idea of what... What spurred you after all these years to finally say, uh, you know, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do this show where we're going to get into the, the nitty-gritty 
of comedy and what makes it work? Well, um, the executive producer uh, of the show with me is Steve Carell. And we started to do this as a, a documentary film. But <clears throat> let's just let's talk to everyone that we love, their comedy, and how they do what they do. And not just today, but five decades of people. And and we just, I just started making calls, and so many people said yes to this. Uh-huh. And we shot them. We shot them over a period of a year, a year and a half. Uh-huh. At the end, and at the end of it, Steve Carell said to me, if we do this as a documentary film, what will happen is two minutes of Seinfeld and one minute of Bell Brooks, and we just had too many people. So uh, we decided to see if we could put this together as a, a comedy series, and it's on Thursday night at 11 on Showtime, and then it's repeated a lot during the week on the other. Uh, it's been a blast, and it's amazing who, who did it. The first show is Seinfeld and Rickles, and it goes back and forth between them. So it doesn't go like 20 minutes of Seinfeld and 20 minutes of Rickles. It's back and forth, finding the similarities, the disparities. And above all, and this is the most important part, they're funny. Right. And are you, uh, I was wondering when I read the, the kind of description and, and when you said it right now, are you actually actively involved in the editing, the, the kind of back and forth, or are you more of the on-air talent who kind of brings forth the, the content from them and then uh, Steve Carroll or your other uh, co-producers help to kind of work the whole thing into a, a, a seamless whole? Well, well, we're we're a, a comfortable collaborative team, but I'm directing it as well. So I I edited it for over a year after I shot. Uh huh. Okay. The comedian forever. I was on the Tonight Show a lot, almost second most to Bob Hope with Johnny Carson. Right. And then I started directing and just lucked out and uh, and I've been directing for a few years. Uh, so it's my territory, and they know it's my territory. So they leave me alone. I had a brilliant editor by the name of David Zeef. And it took us a year to edit them. That's why it's so specific. And then the next week's show is Chris Rock. After that is Steve Carell and Jane Lynch together. And after that is Billy Crystal and Marty Short and Brad Garrett. That they're the only threesome. All the shows are mostly two, except for one that for two one that is three, which is that one. Okay. Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. Gary Shandling, Sarah Silverman are together. Ellen DeGeneres, Tim Conway, Kathy Griffin, Stephen Wright. It's an amazing. Group. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, you're doing a patter song here, just trying to uh, get everybody in. Just telling me, I I can imagine how much it was trying to get them all in when you were thinking of doing it as a movie. There there are at least another. I mean, uh, if Showtime picks us up for a second season, which they're hoping they will, I have already half of it done. Well, uh, let me uh, try to do a uh, a clumsy segue here, where in the, the first show, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, makes a remark about acceptance being dangerous, uh, a dangerous thing for comedians. And I wondered if, you know, after so many decades in the business and knowing so many people, uh, you felt so accepted that you had to kind of uh, go to a place where you were not accepted, which is what spurred your, your taking up veganism. Because if there's something that can make you an outsider, even if you're an insider, uh, I would think that that's it. Is that, is that the secret story behind your, your change to veganism, or what is it? Well, let me tell you that I admire your attempt at a segue. <laughs> yeah, I said it was clumsy. It's okay. I, I can live with it. V- veganism, uh, I've been a vegan now for, I think, eight or nine years. 
my wife and I both. Uh-huh. Uh, Kathy Freston uh, is our, a very close friend of ours, and, and she was on, on this for me very early on because I had blocked artery and heart disease. And, and we started it. We said, just let's see how far we can go with it, just a little bit at a time. And it wasn't easy, but we could do it. And I had a, a, a blocked artery, I'd stents in it, and, uh, and I'd go check up every once in a while with my cardiologist. Right. Probably said, it looks like that artery's opening up in some way. So I said to him, well, this is probably because I'm on a vegan diet, and, and <laughs> as most, uh, a lot of doctors do, he said, oh, it couldn't be that. So <laughs> <laughs> it was just a coincidence then at that point. It was, uh... Yeah, it was a coincidence to him. To me, it was, I knew exactly what it was from. And, and the truth of it is, is that it, it's very easy for us now. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's, it's not a difficult thing to do. And, uh, and, and, uh, and you know, for show business who are always about their weight, I, I eat anything that I want as a vegan, and my weight is 140, and I think that's what I weighed when I was 40 years old. Wow. You're doing better than I am, I got to say. I'm, I'm going to try to to emulate you there. Um, so let me ask you know, Kathy Freston may have had uh, some credit there for putting the idea into your head. Now I wonder, now that you have embraced this yourself, do you then, uh, you know, try to talk it up to other people, or you just kind of take a hands-off approach among the uh, all of the people out there in Hollywood? Well, I don't take a hands-off approach. We're pretty aggressive about letting people know that we're vegan. Uh-huh. Like, well, well, like, uh, this weekend was the Director's Guild Awards, and I, I was up for a nomination, and it was at, at Wolfgang's Puck's huge restaurant. And there was, they gave us a menu, and, uh, and uh, you know, one page had who the nominees were, so I checked to see if they got my name spelled right. It was fine, and I looked for <laughs> and it was some meat and nothing else. There was only one choice. Yeah. So when the waiters came by... Um, I said to them, you know, we're vegan. Now, normally, what that would mean is, they don't even know, they didn't know what it meant a few years ago. That would mean you'd get a very wilted piece of lettuce and something green. And, uh, and he said, oh, vegan. Well, that's no problem. And they had an actual vegan dish that was available, which indicates how many people are into this already. I'm not just talking about vegetarian. I'm talking about a vegan dish. Right. It shows you how how much this has penetrated the environment. Yeah, that's great. And so it, is it, are you like hearing and noticing more people outside of just, you know, this one incident? How, are, have you noticed more people around you talking it up or, or mentioning veganism? Are people asking you about it? Or what's the general scene out there? Because over here on the East Coast, you know, we hear about this celebrity has gone vegan. Oh, now they're back to eating meat again. Oh, now this person's gone vegan. So it just seems like it's we can never tell what's really going on out there. No, it's not me. I've, I've never gone back. Woody Harrelson has never gone back. We, I, I mean, when I'm in New York, we have a place in, in New York as well because I work there a lot. And uh, we go to a place called Candle 79 that is the most amazing vegan restaurant. We live there. Right. And, yeah. uh, it's, it, and I, I see a lot of, a lo- a lot of the uh, Hollywood celebrities. I, uh, Robin Quiver is from... Howard Stern show, and I, it, it's it's quite remarkable uh, because it's a healthy way of life, and uh, and it's about uh, killing animals, which people you know they seem to have a little bit of a problem with it, but <laughs> that, that a lot of people have a problem balancing their uh, 
their dislike of killing animals with their enjoyment of bacon. It's, it's a funny thing. Yes, yes, a lot of people are stupid. A lot of people... <laughs> well, I didn't want to put it that way. I don't know these people that are stupid, so I could say that. <laughs> but not, not your, your friends and compatriots around, uh, around there in Hollywood that you're, that you're talking to. I mean, it, just today as we're recording this, Ted Danson... Uh, you know, the, is in the news now as having gone vegan again. He was vegan once. He kind of uh, fell off, and he, he went back. And I made the comment that uh, you know he could learn a thing or two from Woody, uh, who's been pretty staunch about this all along. And I, I imagine that it's out there with the the fast cars and the women and the drugs and everything. It may be harder to to stick to your to one's resolve. Uh, but you've been you know as you say you and your wife have been doing that for eight or nine years. Yeah, and the fast cars and the women and the drugs, I, I gave that up at my bar mitzvah, actually. <laughs> Not a problem anymore. Okay. So you really had got it out of your system early. I did. And, you know, Ted Danson is so smart, and he, he will end up a vegan, he, and he's disciplined. He, he, he will do it, because I know he cares about animals, especially the, what's happening in the oceans. They're, he's really active, and so is Mary Steenburgen. And, you know, they learn how to do things. They were on the first episode of Curb, actually the second episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, by I directed, and in Curb Your Enthusiasm, we, we improvised the dialogue. And they said, we'll never be able to do this. David, we have to write something. We have to do, we'll never be able to do this. Right. Anyway, the end of the story is, they're the best at it now. Okay, so, great. I'm stretching a metaphor to if they if they decide to do something they'll do it great. Right. Well, I mean, I would I wonder if uh, you know you are uh, pretty well known. Uh, you're well known among the people who know. It was it was kind of news to me as I looked through your bio the amount of improv related uh, pioneering that you did. You were right there at the at the beginning of Second City, and you helped pretty much make the people who went on to do SCTV into stars and there was uh, a lot of improv background there um and now here i'm going to try another segue <laughs> uh, do you does does that talent or that gift for improv actually come into play when you're going out into the world which is definitely still non-vegan and having to kind of find a way to to uh, to get along in in this kind of circumstances that come up well, I'll tell you something about improvisation uh, and improvisation people like Second City and the Groundlings and the Upright Citizens Brigade, and there are so many of them now. When we started out, we were like the first and sort of finding our way. But the thing about improvisation is you need information, and you need unique information. You need to know things that you can use in any character that's thrown at you. So you have to, you have to know things. And that will come out in how you perform. Mm -hmm. So to connect that to, when you have the information about vegetarianism, veganism in my case, when you just get the statistics, do you want to live a healthier life? Do you want to live a little bit longer? And do you want to be a little conscious of what it is to kill these animals in the horrible way that they do? I think uh, it sort of goes together. Right. Okay. Well, I can imagine you would be, uh, you'd be ready to, to reel off Whatever, give uh, one might even say, give a sermon about uh, about the topic. And uh, again, also um, some people will remember, others won't, that uh, you did this the sermon routine on the Smothers Brothers show, and uh, that you you wound up. I can't tell if it, you were kind of 
somebody who was in the right place at the wrong time or whether you and Tommy Smothers kind of conspired together to keep on pushing this to the point that CBS was uh, it was going to get to some breaking point. It was was it really something that uh, you know you were just trying to do your comedy or was there a little you know a, an attempt to keep on pushing the envelope there? Well, one one thing I've learned in all, in all the comedy stuff that I've been doing is if you really really want to piss people off, something on religion. <laughs> yeah. People, they, they, no one has the same opinion as you do about religion. So, so mine was sort of making fun, spiritually of a reform rabbi. So that's what I was doing at the sermonettes at the time. The Smothers Brothers were pushing the envelope on politics as well. Uh, the war in Vietnam just started. And at that time, it's hard to imagine. It was like 68, I think it was. You couldn't, uh, the, the censors were on you, it's called standards and practices. You had to give them a script of everything that you said. Uh, a black person couldn't kiss a white person. It was, it was amazing how, how far away we are from that now. Right. And when you look at the sermons now, they seem a little bit tame. But, uh, but at that time, uh, you add that to the political stuff that they were trying to get on but couldn't, it, when CBS said, uh, I, did the, I did it once on an early show, I did one sermon, and they told Tommy, don't, you can have David Steinberg on, but don't let him do another sermon because <laughs> there's so much negative response. Right. That's all Tommy Smothers had to hear. To <laughs> the show, and he said, you want to do another sermon? And I did, and the rest is history. They were thrown off the air. All right. Well, that, I mean, you you definitely are have a long history of irreverence and uh you know, not taking the uh, the status quo as uh, something to uh, necessarily live your life by, and I think the veganism uh, also plays into that. And you you've done um, all these directing uh, gigs with the Designing Women, Mad About You, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld, um, and I'm wondering now you you kind of embracing this uh, overall philosophy of veganism. Do you see uh, any time in the future where you might actually be trying to work that into the content that you put out there? Uh, not necessarily, but not, 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 not. You know, it, it, it's, a great it's a great vehicle for humor uh, because how many diverse reactions people have to not just being a vegetarian. When you say vegan, they treat you like you're a nutcase. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, I could see us using that absolutely. But you haven't done any... Uh, any vegan routines in any kind of uh, stand-up comedy scenario yet? No, no, I haven't. But uh, on on one of the sites they had uh, uh, for the Showtime show, they, the headline was uh, "Vegan Bunny Man uh, Has Show on Showtime," and a lot, a lot of my writer friends, that's it's rare to see vegan and funny man in the same sentence, or let alone headline. But, uh, <laughs> Right. I, uh, I'm not. A, I'm not afraid of the subject. That's for sure. That's true. Well, um, and you do. We sh we should mention. Uh, even if people don't uh, have the chance to run out and see you on their local stage, you are on Twitter, and uh, you're doing a little bit of that, uh, getting some one-liners in there occasionally, as well as uh, reporting on things. I, I did see when when you were able to get a a vegan dinner at the screen at the Directors Guild Awards. Uh, you mentioned that, and that was. Uh, I mean, that, that does, it's not necessarily funny, 
But that's the kind of thing that does make a difference to the little people like uh, myself who say, wow, that's because when, when you're doing that, you're reinforcing the concept that there is a demand for this out there and that if they do have something that they, you know, have sitting on a shelf back there they didn't think of getting out, that that's, they'll be all the more likely next time to really put that on the menu, let people know about it. So I just, I, I guess I want to say I appreciate that, uh, that you're doing that, uh, as well as uh, enjoying your, your general, uh, the Twitter feed that you're putting out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vance. And that's uh, your that's David Steinberg is your the Twitter handle, right? We want to be sure to get get that out. We'll obviously have that in the the show notes so people can go there uh, and uh, and enjoy that as well. Um, and so I guess uh, you've got the show going on. You're, you're going to be plenty busy with that. Uh, and I'm just going to ask you kind of the standard question: Is it uh, tricky to uh, balance? Uh, with all the stuff that you've got going on, is, is it uh, tricky to kind of find that, uh, what am I looking, the inner peace, I guess, of, of veganism when you're in that, this whole fast-paced uh, scene out there? Well, being a comedian and inner peace <clears throat> are not necessarily compatible. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't want total inner peace as a comedian, but it certainly helps, you know, uh, not to confuse everyone, but I've been meditating for years anyway, doing TM for almost 30 years now. That, that helps to some degree, but right. I don't want it to, to zen me out enough so I lose I <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to lose your edge. Still got plenty of that. Well, David Steinberg, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're very busy out there taking the time to talk with us on VegCast, and I wish you the best of luck with Inside Comedy uh, every on Showtime. It's at 11 o'clock on the West Coast and 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Yep. And we will uh, obviously have a link to that in our show notes as well so people can find that. And uh, I just got to say thanks for joining us on VegCast. My pleasure. Thank you, Vance.
That is Quinn, the Quinn Band with Closer to Love. Quinn, one of our favorite vegan musos from Australia. We will have their link in our show notes so that you can find out more about Quinn. But right now, we're going to find out more about what makes men more attractive to women as we check in with the science. Our science fact for VegCast 105 is... Looking healthy is more attractive than manliness. That's uh, the best headline that I found in the different write-ups of these. It pretty much succinctly says what's going on with this. Uh, It's a write-up in healthcanal.com, but we will find out uh, where the actual study was published right about now. It goes, having a healthy skin color is more important in determining how attractive a man is to women than how manly they look. These are the findings of a study carried out by researchers in the School of Psychology at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia campus. 
Researchers in the face perception group took photographs of 34 Caucasian and 41 black African men's faces in carefully controlled conditions and measured the skin color of the faces. The team found that in both the African and Caucasian populations, the attractiveness ratings given by the women was closely related to the amount of golden color in the skin. Their findings have been published in the journal Evolution and Human Behavior. And uh, it goes on to say that Dr. Ian Stephen comments on this as follows. The attractive color in our face is affected by our health, especially by the amount of colorful antioxidant carotenoid pigments we get from fruits and vegetables in our diet. These carotenoids are also thought to be good for our immune and reproductive systems, making us healthy and increasing our fertility. The masculinity of the face had no effect on the attractiveness of the face. Dr. Stevens said our study shows that being healthy may be the best way for men to look attractive. We know that you can achieve a more healthy-looking skin color by eating more fruit and vegetables. So that would be a good start. And I guess that pretty much speaks for itself, but uh, I'm just wondering how many of these we're going to rack up. We had the study on uh, plant-based diet, uh, eating people, being uh, smarter, being more empathetic, now more attractive, at least in the case of men to women. We'll find out uh, they should obviously do some follow-ups on this, but uh, I guess... For Valentine's Day, if you really uh, want to look your best for her, I'm talking to the guys out there, uh, you should spend the day after VegCast comes out just really completely going to town on those fruits and vegetables. And if she asks you why you're doing that, you can say, honey, it's because I love you. Or you can say it's because I heard it on the Science now, something that happens a lot, and I did it right there where I talked about people on a plant-based diet uh, being better looking as the conclusion of this study. Uh, something that happens is that people equate uh, being on a certain diet such as veganism as being healthy, but we're going to hear that that is not necessarily logically following from uh, all of the examples that we have of the way that people actually live out there in this guest opinion from Ruthie Cohen. This is a little new feature we've been trying to get going for a while. It's uh, kind of an op-ed in audio form, an op-audio, if you will. Let's listen. The recent news that Paula Dean had been a closeted diabetic for three years caused many vegans to scream from the rooftops. If only Dean would go vegan, they said, all her health problems would be solved. Unfortunately, it's just as easy to be an unhealthy vegan as an unhealthy meat eater. Today, we have vegan ice cream, vegan cake, vegan chicken, vegan shrimp, and vegan cheese. Imagine how much processing and sodium it takes to turn a soybean into something that looks and tastes like a chicken nugget. A well-known vegan chef has admitted she lived on candy and popcorn when she first became a vegan. How many of us are living this way, or relying way more than we should on processed fake foods? It's just as easy for vegans as non-vegans to fall into the trap of convenience, eating little else besides frozen, prepared foods or fake foods. It's just as easy for vegans to have too much sugar in their diets. In Paula Deen's defense, there are no animal products in sweet tea or soy ice cream or fruit juice or vegan cakes and candies. There is, however, a whole lot of sugar. And there are vegan foods known to spike insulin, like white pasta, white rice, and white potatoes. 
It's also easy to be an overweight vegan. We can eat mountains of white pasta with our soy butter instead of measuring out a couple of ounces of whole wheat pasta and adding a good amount of broccoli or spinach to it. We can eat bags of potato chips or tortilla chips or tons of soy chicken fingers or soy spare ribs instead of just taking a couple of them and filling the rest of the dinner plate with salad greens, bell peppers, and chickpeas with a vinaigrette and a cup of homemade lentil soup. I'd be curious to know how many vegans are taking the time to prepare meals from Whole Foods on a daily basis. Too many of us need to put the veg back in vegan or vegetarian and recommit to eating foods that truly promote our health, not just those foods labeled with a V. Thank you, Ruthie Cohen. All of our audio commentaries are the opinions of those who submit them. Although, uh, since I'm the one choosing them, I'm not going to put on things that I drastically disagree with. But uh, we do have kind of a wide range, as you know, from the different guests we've had on there. So if you have a commentary and you can get it onto an MP3 in two minutes or less, uh, please send that in and we'll uh, try to get some different flavors of opinion in here on VegCast. And uh, before we go, just wanted to mention another Valentine's Day connection. I did ask David Steinberg about Valentine's Day uh, for my V for Veg column. He gave me uh, an amusing anecdote, and I'm going to uh, point you over there rather than just play that audio uh, since we're now pushing the envelope for uh, the length of this VegCast Go to philly.com slash v for veg If you're not reading my daily news column, you ought to be doing that anyway. And uh, at that point, you can find out about our slideshow that we're putting together. Uh, anybody in or around Philly who sees a sign that says vegan or vegetarian uh, that's visible from outside, send that in. We're building a an informative gallery, and that's the last time I'm going to mention that on VegCast, but I wanted to get another plug for that. And speaking of plugs, I want to let you know, if you don't know already, I will be appearing at the New York Vegetarian Food Festival. Uh, it is on the weekend of March 3rd and 4th, and I will be there on the 4th. I encourage everybody to check that out. We will have a link in the show notes to that. We're going to do a little reporting from there, hopefully next time as well. And as long as we are in the midst of plugging things here, I also want to remind you once again that VegCast is sponsored by Tofurky, creating delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO organic soybeans since 1980. Glad to have them on board. It's uh, something that I have enjoyed eating uh, various Tofurky products for a while. We're going to talk to them next time around on our Meet the Sponsor interview. But for now, we have got to go. Okay, that is it for VegCast 105. I want to thank my guest, David Steinberg, for making time to be with us on VegCast. Check out Inside Comedy on Showtime, and I thank him in advance for his patience with our audio technicalities. And speaking of audio, I want to thank Ruthie Cohen for submitting her audio op-ed on Paula Dean, and I thank the Quinn Band for giving us permission to play Closer to Love on VegCast. And, of course, I want to thank you, the VegCast listener, Please download and subscribe VegCast. Check out all of our podcasts at VegCast.com and get out there and live like you mean it.